Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is your host, Matthew Aaron. And this is our second installment of a collaboration from New York Blockchain Week with Michael Shilnai from the Evolvement Podcast and Crypto 101. And in this episode, we have on Nima Jahan of Unification. Before we get into it, please, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe, smash that subscribe button, leave us a like and a rating. It helps us stay visible. Also, follow my Twitter at MatthewAaron101 and Crypto101's Twitter at Crypto101Pod. And remember, this is not financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, and personal advice. So without further ado, here is Mr. Nima Jahan, Mr. Michael Nye, and myself coming to you from the podcasting booth at Consensus. You're going to hear all the excitement in the background. We'll see you after the show. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your boy Nye with the Evolvement Podcast. I am here co-hosting this interview with my man, Matthew Aaron from Crypto 101 Podcast. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. And today we've got a really special guest. He's my brother. He's my good friend, Nima Jahan from uh, Unification. Nima, what's going on, brother? Hey, hey, Nye. Thank you guys so much for having me on the call today. It has been an absolutely incredible week here in New York City. There's a lot of electricity in the air with a lot of the new enterprise developments and movements in the markets and such. So it really feels like we're on the ground floor of something incredible and revolutionary in the industry. It really does, man. It really does. It's been an exciting week so far. We're all having a good time. We're actually recording this at Consensus. So thanks for coming on, man. Can you just start off by giving a little introduction of yourself? Who is Nima? (laughs) <laughs> and what is unification? Well, Nima, Nima is um, by career we're um, enterprise software development and enterprise consulting, and we went and developed out uh, unification starting a few years ago to be, I guess, what you want to call a usable blockchain environment. I think the big problem with a lot of the blockchain environments that we saw um, coming in version one of the industry was they were unduly situated around requiring coins which are inherently speculative in value. And when that happens, it makes it less useful for everybody else. So I think with this push that we're doing with unification and um, similar projects, it's more about usefulness than it is about you know doing a coin and trading the coin and the coin going up in value. It's, it's, it's getting down into what we actually have to be doing in this industry. I 100% agree. And, and that's one of the main problems. I've had you on the podcast before. We've, we've chatted a little bit. And that's one of the main problems in the industry, which is kind of how unification arose, is the fact that the speculative price value of these coins is a really big issue when developers are trying to build on it, when people are actually trying to use the blockchain. Can you share a little bit about your perspective on that? We could take the really obvious example of CryptoKitties. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a silly example, but you had something that people wanted to use and then suddenly they couldn't use it because the networks went and crashed as soon as they started using it. If we went and took that into more larger scale applications, Let's say that we're doing, for example, a distributed health wallet, like putting healthcare on the blockchain. And that healthcare on the blockchain was required to go and trade and spend a coin that goes up and down in value in order to do it. Um, it's it's, it's kind of like thinking that if Jeff Bezos of Amazon has some good news in his life and the Amazon stock price goes up, it doesn't cost me more money to go buy a book on Amazon. 
It's 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 not right. related. But that's the problem with most first gen blockchain platforms is it's really a mismatch of expectations and desires. Uh, in reality, there's there's just too much money floating around, so it's like it, it stifles innovation. For the Crypto 101 podcast listeners, what is exactly unification? I know you and I have talked about it quite a bit, but what is it? Can you give us a 101? Okay, I'll give you like the 30 to 45 second version. Does that work? Perfect. Okay, so we unification, uh, UND, United Network Distribution, there are two parts to it. There's main chain, and main chain is public consensus mechanism that is governed by staking. So there's 96 master stakers. Uh, essentially, the top 96 wallets to stake will be able to go and validate the network and collect block rewards, okay? Then our main product is called WorkChain, W-R-K chain. These are somewhat similar to private enterprise side chains. Now, what's very, very interesting is that when you go and deploy a WorkChain, the end users on the WorkChain are not having to hold Ethereum, they're not having to hold unification, they're not having to go and pay fees. So imagine you had a gaming network with 5 million users on it. If you try to do that on a dApp, it's a disaster. But if you do that on a work chain, those users are not paying the fees, but the actual work chain will be holding unification order to validate for them. So it, it passes the fee structure from the retail end user onto the owners of the work chain. I'm tr trying to put it into like real life situations. Would that be like the retail store having the POS machine and they've swiped the Visa card and the retail user pays that 3% fee? Well, okay, if we're using that example, and it, it is definitely does have some uh, fintech implications, in the blockchain part one model, which obviously is a complete failure, um, and it's why we are where we are in, in the bottom of bear market, is the end user would have to go and pay those fees. They'd have to have a, a wallet. They'd have to have a private key. But blockchain 2.0, which Unification is implementing, along with a few other very innovative companies, the end user doesn't even really know they're on blockchain. They don't even know they're doing private keys, but their data is secured. That's the innovation. So we're taking half from the old world, and then we're taking the best of blockchain and throwing out the speculative garbage. Gotcha. I think that's the key, though. You know, that's, that's the problem right now is everything that's being built you know it's on blockchain because anybody that's using it is in the industry you know i think yes. what the, the key point you just made there is that like we need solutions that people don't even know that blockchain's being used i mean we're at the world's biggest blockchain conference consensus right now and straight up my customers are not here for instance last week uh, one of my business development people went to a healthcare conference in miami those are the places we need to be getting our customers. We need to be going to Mobile right. World Congress. We need to be going to CES. We need to go to SWSX. This is where we're onboarding real life enterprises and users into our industry. Not people here. People here at Consensus, we're like the wizards. We're the makers, but we're not actually the customers. We can't sit here and sell to each other. We need, we need to go and take this magic that we're making in the industry and go out and get real people onto it. Not just people who are like, oh, the coin price is going up forget about that. The coin price doesn't matter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were just talking to Juwan a little bit ago of NextChange and we were talking about mass adoption. We are talking about that real world um, situation and he said, you know what, in the future we're not going to have, mass adoption is not marketing, it's not advertising, it's not you know putting money into things. It is seamless integration where people are just using the product. How do you look at that seamlessness? How do you envision a future using your product and how it integrates in society? Well, I can tell you a parable and I like to call it code is law, okay? So if we go back into the olden, olden days, law was determined might is right. It's, it's the sword is law. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all the weapons, you have all the strength, you get to rule. 
Then as society went and uh, evolved, the, the mental went and developed and suddenly the word is lost. So there's a written contract and we have to go and enforce this written contract with the sword. But the actual contract doesn't mean anything without the guy with the sword, you know, the police or the military or the strong person enforcing it. But with blockchain and with what unification is doing, we're coming to a new paradigm, which, which we're calling code is law. Mm-hmm. Now, when we have code is law, it's a contract, but that contract, it, you don't have to go and sue somebody to enforce it. It's literally just truth. You cannot do anything about that because there's a fully autonomous distributed method that has been verified. Mm-hmm. And to do that also requires great responsibility um, because there's private keys, there's identity mechanisms where right. if you lose them, then you also lose that. But what it does is it makes it so that Law is law is law is law. There's no arguing. It's just written down in stone, and that's what it is. So code is law. Mm, interesting. And how do you see this all playing out in the future, man? Like, you know, I think that's kind of the way every single time we have a conversation, every single time we talk about blockchain, you've got a very clear vision and clear belief system of what you see the potential of how this is going to play out in the future. What is that? Well, the end result is sovereign identity. And it's about each individual effectively owning themselves. And this doesn't mean like a sovereign identity coin or a sovereign identity app or Facebook doing identity. That's not the point. That doesn't matter. Any sort of centralization and and this isn't even unification. This is this is the whole, you know, big magical blockchain elephant in the future. It's an individual owning themselves. It's an individual owning themselves immutably outside of any nation state, outside of any healthcare system, outside of any monetary system, where they exist in the world beyond anything else. And as blockchain goes and develops, and as all these silos become interconnected in a decentralized network, this is going to slowly morph and integrate itself with players like us and other players who are pushing forward in parallel industries. You know, you said code is law, and I really want to just touch on that a little bit more because I have an analogy that I like to use. Tell me if you agree or disagree or what do you think of it. Have you guys seen the movie Elysium? Um, Yes, that's where Matt Damon goes to space for the magic healing machine. Exactly, exactly. Sounds dope. I haven't seen that. Then you got to see that, dude. Uh It it is pretty dope. But there's a part in there where he gets his arm broken by a police officer, and then he goes to his probation officer. I don't know if you remember that. And the probation officer's reaction to him trying to explain the situation and the cop's reaction to him not standing in line properly, it seems like the code is law, you know, dilemma that we're going to face. That. You can see that because they're, they're robots, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're androids. And it's almost like, police officer, I'm trying to rush my way to work. And he's like, no, you must stand in line. And so it's like a, almost like a smart contract. If this guy is not standing in line properly, I have to take action. Oh, no. And he's, he's like, but I have to get to work. And then it's like, if he raises his voice, I then have to reprimand him or maybe arrest him. And he does that. And there's no negotiation with this machine. It's mm-hmm. just code is law. The machine executes what he has been programmed to do. And it ends up him roughing up Matt Damon, breaking his arm, going to his probation officer. The probation officer doesn't want to hear it either because she's a robot as well. And that's that. Code is law. There's no there's no gray area. But in everyday life, there's so much gray area. Do you think that code can actually be law in society? Well, that's, that's an question. interesting point because we are still human. I think it needs to start there. And what you just described is a possible future, but it's also the extreme of the possible future. The Mm -hmm. other extreme of our possible past is just a strong man or a king or a dictator just deciding things on a whim. On one side, we have a complete strong man. On the other side, you have a complete robot. And I honestly think that the intelligent enlightened need to take code as law and work off of that and then have the opportunity for manual arbitration if needed. 
So I don't think it's a full solution, mm-hmm. but I also think that it is a push towards the right direction of full autonomy. I like talking about code as well, and I'm going to ask Nye this, actually. It's like we saw how sometimes when law is law really hit the wrong people the wrong way. For example, marijuana laws hit the wrong people the wrong way, and some people are still in jail for that possessing only 10 years ago or five years ago or what have you. We see that it got abused at that point. We see that society changes. And if something's encoded in, say, since it's a blockchain conversation on a blockchain, immutable, how do you change that, especially when it comes to people's lives? And we're talking about healthcare, we're talking about law, we're talking about all kinds of other aspects of blockchain technology. I mean, I think this is also an interesting conversation because really with, when, you, when we say code is law, it's all about who's deciding which codes to write mm. that create that law. And then we take it to the next level is, is in the future, AI is going to be writing all these different codes and things like that. Right. And, and how do we determine whether or not those AI systems, those robotic systems are okay to make laws for us as humans? And, and who, who created those systems within those AIs that, that, or within any, any sort of robotic form that makes the decisions what is law and what is not for us? And the immutability of it is definitely an issue because it's the same thing with the majority of the laws. Like, we'll take marijuana as an example. Yeah, I mean, in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, 90s, etc., like, there was a way different perspective on marijuana. Uh, there's a way different perspective on all of these different things. In some, in some countries, they still have that perspective. Yes, 100%. In some states, they have that perspective. Yeah. Some states, yeah, 100%. They still have that perspective that it's extremely damaging drug for your well, system. Oh, I, well, I think, I mean, to go back to what Matt was raising is, uh, I don't think it's a, an ultimate all the way. It's making tools. For example, the recent uh, hack, I guess, on Binance, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a case of code is law. For however it happened, $40 million at the time worth of Bitcoin went into the hands of somebody else. And the people from Binance are like, hey, you know, can we reorganize the blocks to get our Bitcoin back? Right. And- hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition, and it has AI self-learning chips, so the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery, and it lasts around four months, but don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks' notice, and also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And the community was like, uh, sorry, bro, code is law. And that's pretty much what it is. Now, when you have an opposite situation where um, let's just say that that wouldn't happen and the whole Bitcoin community was like, yes, let's go reorganize abroad. But then what happens then? Code is no longer law and then trust is lost in the system. So I know your argument, but I don't think it's an either or. It's providing us toolkits to use where we need to go use those toolkits. Very interesting. And bring it all the way back kind of to the industry that we're in. We talked about where you think it's going, but what sectors are you bullish on? You know, you've built this thing and are building this technology that can pretty much be implemented and, and work with many different industries. What are the industries that you see blockchain technology being the most useful, being the most relevant? It effectively works in the general sense when you need to go and bring trust among hostile <coughs> actors. So you have an industry, you have a consortium where the people inherently don't trust each other, but they're in an environment where they need to have trust. So one example that I use is motorsports racing or competitive sports where you have testing. So let's imagine we have a motorsports racing league that has 16 teams in it. And before each race, they have to do pre-race compliance checks to make sure their tire pressure is the right way and they have the right sort of fuel using Well, right now, these all go into a centralized database. And within the centralized database, there could be maybe an evil administrator who changes things around. But how blockchain would work or how distributed ledger technology would work is when these pre-race results are recorded, they're went and placed into a blockchain node held by each team. So you're effectively forcing people to trust each other. It's the same with Bitcoin is we all force each other to trust each other on Bitcoin because that is where we're moving towards. Specifically for us, we are having a, a focus on healthcare because that is where we're seeing an actual problem that needs to be solved right now with the silification of data. And if all we worked on for the rest of this organization for the next 20 years is healthcare, I'm sure it's more than enough. But that's really where we're seeing a lot of the initial interest. And where are you guys development-wise? Like, I know you've just come out of IEOs and things like that. Where is the, the tech side of things going? Well, we have an, we have an active, active testnet out there. And with the active testnet, um, a development team or a developer can go deploy their own work chain. They can take some test UND from the faucet, and they can go and timestamp it into the main chain. We expect, so the work chain SDK, which allows you to go develop out the environment, is in test production right now, and you can use it with the full mainnet and uh, distributed state consensus coming out uh, in Q4 of 2019. Epic, man. Yeah, so, so consensus next year, we're going to be sitting there and we're like, mainnet, mainnet, you know, and we'll be talking about staking and these sort of things, which is really, really interesting to the community. 
What's, what's the future of the whole product? I mean, when, when everything is all said and done, like if you walked out of your door in the, in the morning and you saw your project being fully implemented, what would that look like to you? Well, it would be us ceasing to exist and the community going and adopting it as a set standard. Nice. We're doing a lot of business development right now because we know this stuff's not going to adopt itself, right? Right. But it would be the community going and taking the code base that we deploy as an open source foundation and building on it and perpetually building on it and then creating tools and ingenuity to go and do that. With this code base and related toolkits powering the future of the decentralized internet. The problem in everything right now is silification. Mm, and mm. projects like, hence the name unification, right. it's to bring an end to siloed data. Right, so your future is you're going to be hands off. Is that what you're saying? That's, that's, it, that's, it lives, it just organically lives. Yeah, that's the, that's the ideal. The, the ideal is that we do our, because we have two arms. We have a foundation and we have an enterprise consulting arm. Mm -hmm. The enterprise consulting arm can go do its own thing. But as the, the head of the foundation, my job is to make myself not needed. And the more I can make myself not needed, the more I can make myself disappear, then I know that I'm doing my job well. Yeah. I don't want to be a Vitalik. I don't want to be holding it together by its strings, pushing it along. Right. I want to go and create this beautiful machine of unification and have it self-perpetuate and people take ownership of it. And this is what we're working for. We're not trying to just like make a business and do this and that. We want to go and create a monster. And that's, the, that's what they say about every great leader is they, you should lead to work yourself out of that position to build your team up so that they don't need you. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's not even my team. We've given birth to unification mm -hmm. and we're raising it like a child, but that child needs to go off into the world and find its own friends and its own playmates and its own activities. So right now we're nurturing it, we're holding it, we're feeding it, right. we're caring it. But ultimately, we want to put this out there and let that child do its have thing. A, have an adult be a productive member of society. And you, they come over for Father's Day and Mother's Day, and that's... Yeah, <laughs> we want... We, we, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the king here. Unification is the king. We're giving birth to the king, and we're putting the king out there, and then people can work with that. I love it. I love it. And I'm asking you this specifically because I know you've been a leader and very successful in multiple different industries throughout your whole life, throughout your whole career. How does how is this blockchain industry different from everything? Why is it so unique? And do you think that we're in like this weird bubbly like kind of situation here, or is this something that's actually fucking legit? Dude, mm. dude, dude, dude. I know. Good I know question. That. I know. I know two things in this life. Okay. Number one, I'm gonna die. Okay. Number two, blockchain is gonna be the future of everything in our life. Okay. Mm. And I know that just as I know that I have two hands in front of my face right now, and this is a fact. And when I really, really drank the Kool-Aid and I got into blockchain, I was like, this is it. This is literally what I was born to do. All the 40 plus years that were leading up to this, this was training for me, my success in my fiat businesses, my failures, my learning, my trials, my tribulations. All of this was leading up. It was, it's just like a guy having a vision in a desert. Maybe it was a vision in the desert. I don't know. But it was all <laughs> leading up to the point where we saw this. We saw this thing that needed to happen and we pulled it out of the ether or well, not the ether the, the <laughs> i guess out of the ether yeah. and went and brought it to life and sometimes you just know things i love it when was the moment where you were just like 
oh my god i get it and how did how did it click for you it uh, took a little while for me to sift through a lot of the shit in the industry because i saw this i saw this feeling i'm like what is this thing is it bitcoin shit coins like you know like making money and you know we've already made our money in terms of fiat we're not we're not doing this to like you know go and like make some coin and make some money but it took me a little while to sift through and find really what the truth and the vision is and then i saw some of the people working in the industry and most industries and things that i've been in i've liked the people they've been good people but i've never felt like they're my people i'm like these are just people that i'm working with and you know we're going to go do some business with them and we'll be successful and some other people successful but when i came into blockchain i felt that all of the people in this industry have a unique vision and a unique hyper intelligence and we're all collectively moving towards the same goal and there's a lot of bad actors and there's a lot of immature actors and there's a lot of uneducated actors and they'll either grow or they'll go and uh, self-eliminate themselves and that's okay the people who are really driving the vision forward uh, you know the voices shouting in the desert it's it's I, I just showed up I'm like I'm home right uh, and for someone who's coming in right now, you know, how can they shift through all this shit? There's a lot of it. How can they do the same thing that you did? What's the easiest or the, the clearest way for them to, to understand what's going on here to get clear on it? Well, I hesitate to get advice, but I can tell you what I did. Yeah. The first thing I did was I did not buy any coins. So I would not say anybody go out there and buy Bitcoin. I mean, what the fuck? Or you just go buy Bitcoin? I mean, what are you doing? Okay, if you want to go, right. if you want to go and buy some stocks that are high yield, you could do that too. Okay, maybe Bitcoin will go up. Maybe Bitcoin will go up. Should I say go buy a shit coin? I don't know. I mean, the point is not, and I'm not, I'm not a trader and investor by uh, by training. So that's not what I come from. I come from like a building building stuff. Uh, so it's hard to say because what entry does somebody who's not technologically inclined have besides going and buying coins and hoping the coins go up but i wouldn't go and stake your entry in the market into that i would stake your entry into the market more on understanding the philosophy understanding how things work and understanding how it goes forward and not everybody very small percentage of the population is actually going to be blockchain enthusiasts it's not right. the job of the universe it's not the job of everybody to do that it's our job if you're listening to this and you think you're one of those people that you hear the call then yeah, go make some money, whatever, but get in there and really start to understand the technology and understand the inefficiencies in the market and how you can positively contribute either on your own or in a project or just being generally supportive in the space. The way I kind of look at it is that it's almost like a juxtaposition of just normal everyday society. If you were reading the news and listening to the news and following all of that hype cycle of whatever's on Fox or CNN or what have you, People think there's this huge division. No, black people don't like white people. Muslims don't like Jewish people. You know, there's this huge division in everyday society. But only when you step out and you like hang out in New York City, you hang out in the city, you go meet people, you go to parties, you go and associate with people, that you know that that's only like a very, very, very small portion that's happening. And people are just picking up on it for the hype to sell the news or what have you. I mm -hmm. would say to answer Michael's question is, get out and get involved in the community. Mm -hmm. Once you see the people there, you start talking and start interacting with the community and get off of Twitter, get off of Reddit and stop seeing these hype and, and FUD cycles and what have you, you'll see that everybody is pretty much working and are truly trying their best 
to create something good. And I think Michael in his party the other day was a really cool example. There's a lot of people that might have been trolling him on his Twitter sometimes, but they were all like hanging out at the same party, drinking beers together, having a great time. So exactly. it's, it's really different when you get out from behind a screen and just go out there and just start talking to people. And, and there's tribes. There's like, you know, the Bitcoin maximalists. And every Bitcoin maximalist I've ever met, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, give me all your fucking Bitcoin and then I'll be the maximalist. <laughs> <laughs> and literally no Bitcoin maximalist has ever taken me up on that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and if they did, you know what? Maybe I'd be a Bitcoin maximalist. But nobody's taking me up on it. I don't hold any Bitcoin. I love it. I, I love it. I don't own any Bitcoin. It distracts me. I'm not here to like, you know, try to make money by doing that. Like literally I'm building something. And if I go and put my intention and my energy into other things, it, it just, it drains. It takes away my brain cycles. Yeah. And one really final question I have for you is, is along the lines of this kind of cultish behavior between different communities. Like what's, <laughs> what's your opinion on that? Do you think that we're... Do you think we're gonna have like is this is is this a battle where it's either Ethereum, either EOS, either Casper, or is this going to be something where all of these different projects can thrive? They all have different communities, and it's similar to choosing between Safari versus Chrome. Some people are gonna use Safari, some people are gonna use Chrome. What's you, what do you think about that? Well, our name is Unification, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, right? Yeah, it's true. So ultimately, I think the I think the blockchain of the future is the invisible blockchain okay. and all of these you know little tribal war- wars or little micro tribal wars between relatively insignificant percentages of the population and there'll be products put out and people will go and use it but I I honestly think a lot of what's being developed right now is going to be irrelevant in a few years for the simple reason that it's still being developed on they're not actually being developed to solve a problem. They're just being developed because they can be developed and money is being thrown at. So I think as the market matures, it's going to quickly move to more, I guess, of a VC model where stuff's being built that might actually be useful rather than being built because it can be built and I have connections. Love it. You got any more questions for him, Matt? No, man, I'm good. All right, my brother. Where can people learn about unification? Where can they learn about you? <laughs> he- He's pumped. He's pumped. He's pumped. We're all pumped. Shaka. We're a consensus. There's, there's good energy everywhere. There's good vibes everywhere. We're all pumped. Uh, www.unification.com. Oh, he's got the .com. He's got the .com. I got, we got the .com. Wow. Uncle, uncle bought that for us. Wow. wow. <laughs> awesome, my man. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. We're good friends. I love seeing you at every conference. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for coming on. And... Uh, Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Nye, very much for having uh, me on the show. And um, yeah, let's do this. Absolutely, brother. Shout Good out talking to, to you. Also, shout out to my buddy, Matt. Teaming up Crypto 101 and uni- and uh, not Unification. You've been unified. You've been unified. It's done. It's done. Unified. Crypto 101 and the Evolving Podcast. We've been killing it here at Consensus. So. Boom. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right. Peace out. Thank peace, you guys. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Nima, it was great meeting you in New York, hanging out during that week, and I hope to see you in Europe, in Berlin, and Amsterdam. And our next episode of this series is Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific time with Mr. Jameson Lapp. This is a must listen. So I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.